Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen and uh, welcome to the End Zone Podcast. Uh, we have a cat involved. That's that's Tone. Big Tone, as I like to call big him. Big Tone. Uh, big Tone. Tony. Big Tone is just a guy that we have now. He's going to meow probably a little bit. You're going to hear some meows. But we're a cat podcast now because we just endorse terrorism. That's, you know, that's. I want to preface. It's very important to me that this is on the record. I am not a cat person. I'm a dog person. Well, I'm you bought a cat, cat so you automatically person. become a cat person. But Tony, no, no, and no, that's no, where I'm we end that person. conversation. I have I'm, a football. I'm not a cat person. I'm a Tony person. Tony is a very yeah. chill little guy. <laughs> you are not a slave to a cat. I'm not, I'm that's, not, that's exactly how this works. I'm not a cat person. I find that a reprehensible term. Yeah, but, I, I think I think you are a, person a cat person. Not owned by a cat. I'm not. But I, I do I do enjoy having Tony. And I also want to be clear. This is not as much of a wanting a cat thing as uh, the, the idea to get a cat came after the idea to name a cat Tony. I thought it'd be really funny if there's a little cat going around named Tony. And I was like, damn, I should get a cat. And then within 24 hours, I had one. And now it's just a decision I'm going to have to live with for the next decade and a half. I made impulsively in the span of a couple hours. Yeah, good follow through. Impeccable follow through. Yeah, that is. Have, I mean, grade A. On a, on to a have to have that idea and uh, and 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 go through with it. You heard his voice. Most people the, quit on it. The man's here from South Korea. It's YB. We got to get this thing underway because YB is in the middle of a very serious corporate office in South Korea where they bow to each other and have very serious business meetings and keep the world economy afloat. It so be that uh, serious if he has enough time to take a two-hour football podcast break in every workday. No, it's because they respect their workers, Bradford. So, I mean, we're... we're okay, I don't like the uh, I just heard. We are literally... <laughs> risking the economic downfall of a free world by having him on this podcast yb welcome how are you they're all right uh it would have been nicer if the podcast was yesterday because yes up to yesterday we had that we had a national holiday so that would have been a lot nicer that's why i asked but no we got to deal with we got to uh, work with the hand we're dealt kind of like uh, what happened last weekend so life is life we're gonna start with the Bengals because and the Bills because if if uh, if YB wants to head off and get back to work, I want to give him the opportunity to do so. Bills, Bengals, a molly whopping took place. Bengals twenty seven, Bills ten. Feel like the only place to start is with resident sad Bills fan Mason from Buffalo. Mason, how we feeling now? Two days removed from tragedy. I'm still dead inside. That's good. I was hoping for that answer. So mission accomplished. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's life. Um, as we in Buffalo like to say, there's always next year. And uh, always is. That's that's what we're now looking forward to. It's off season time. Eric, I'm with you, you know, looking towards that draft. It's coming up real quick. You know, it's, yeah. it's going to be here before you know it. We're going to be looking at some good prospects. I mean, there might be football being played still. I don't know. Some teams might be still doing that thing. I, I The good teams quit. They're done. They, they've decided to move on to next year. That's where we're at. No, it was it was dreadful. It, it was sad. It was, I mean, it's it's 
been the continuation of a progression and a trend of a team that no longer has the will or desire to win football games. They, they, it, it, the, the season ended for them at that Bengals game, the first one, not this one. The, that it was, it was just, uh, it, it, they've been coasting ever since, and this is the first time they came against a genuinely good team that that made every mistake of theirs count rather than letting them just make up for it with Josh Allen being absolutely superhuman. There are just too many deficiencies on both sides of the ball right now, and injuries obviously plagued the defense, but it's aging, and the contracts are starting to get big and come due. But the offensive line is probably by far the largest concern. The fact that an offensive line filled with five starters genuinely got outplayed by one with a couple dudes on the freaking street, like, that tells you everything you need to know about how badly they did. I mean, he had no time ever. He was constantly being harassed. And it was no different than it was for half of the games this year at least if not probably all of them honestly it was probably just covered up with bad defense and josh allen being josh allen otherwise like this offensive line needs an absolutely severe overhaul and i don't know the coaching staff might too but i don't think that's coming stuff you're like watching the game like and kind of seeing like i was it was pretty surprising because the bengals other than Hendrickson, they aren't known for a very ferocious pass rush. Like they, and Hendrickson didn't have double digit sacks either. Neither did Hubbard. But it seemed like every play, like somebody was getting at least a hand on Josh Allen. That obviously because Josh Allen is Josh Allen, it takes more than a hand to bring him down. But you, you saw it like Josh, like Allen was getting bothered like in every drop back. Like, and I, I was thinking to myself, this must be how other teams were watching last year's Bengals and kind of seeing like how Burrow was like heart surrounded on nearly every passing attempt, somehow getting out of it and and whatnot. But yeah, and they they cooked up a pretty good scheme to uh, contain Diggs. And we mentioned, I think, in the preview that other than Diggs, like they had a lack of some, they had a lack of severe weapons. And Dave, Gabe Davis and Singletary, James Cook weren't factors at all. So. It was kind of surprising because the D-line or the Bengals, they've been stout, but I didn't expect them to dominate as much as they did. And I think that also led on to the fact that the injury concerns as well as the drop in form for Buffalo's O-line was a lot more severe than I think was led on. And as you mentioned, it was probably covered up by the brilliance of Josh Allen for a lot of it. And like, look, after the, after the game, like you see the discourse, like people are asking, is it a scheme? Is it a scheme thing? Is it a talent thing? Is it basically so too many years of uh, draft picks not hitting where you don't have somebody up and coming that can fill in good, fill in important spots? And you kind of wonder, like, because Allen's contract kicks in next year, so there's less room to – less wiggle room, and you have a lot of guys making a lot of money. Like uh, Dawson Knox is getting pretty well, paid pretty well for a tight end. Deion Dawkins is getting pretty paid well, but he's uh, – kind of like how, what would we feel about Jonah Williams in Bengaland. Like, he's a good tackle, but not maybe not worth the pat money he's getting. So, it's it's going to be some, it's going to take some creative um, roster management for the, for the Bills. And on the other side, you see 
like Jermaine Edmonds was a isn't free agent, he might be gone. Jordan Poyer, he might be gone. So you might be seeing you might be seeing the Bills say goodbye to a lot of players that have been that have been at the at the center of this three year renaissance. Yeah, and the I think probably one of the most concerning things after the game was just like the consistent theme that you heard from nearly every Bills player who was interviewed. And it was they just they had no energy, they never felt any momentum. And it's like it's it's the divisional round in the playoffs. Like if you can't figure out a way to manufacture that, then you're cooked. Like there's nothing to be done for you anymore. Especially in Buffalo, man. You got you got yeah. the you got it was loud. You got lucky. Yeah, you were there, right? Eh? You you got lucky with the you know like okay the Bills get the get the neutral field thing. The Bengals didn't get that opportunity here, and didn't even matter. Like I nope. don't. I'm 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 paying attention to like all the post game comments they've been making. It's just like we just didn't have it today. Not having it today is not an option. <laughs> you, yeah. you, what do you mean you don't have it today? This is the only day you need to have it. Like what are you doing? I don't it's, I don't yeah. know. It's it's. Weird I mean, at the end of the day, too, it might just be the culmination of an extremely emotionally exhausting season and an inability to keep pushing forward possible. through it. A lot of with the with the Bills, I think. I think that uh, obviously the the injuries really hurt them here, but yeah. I think next year, I think it might be a little easier for them not having the weight of the world on their shoulders like they did this year. Like I, I'm always wary, and I, I, I'm, I'm sure I've said this on recording here before. I'm always wary of teams that are so much that are considered so much better than everybody else in the off season and the roster. It's like, there's no way this team can't make it. It's like, doesn't make a Super Bowl. It's like, and I don't even know if those were that unreasonable takes. It's an incredible roster. But when you spend a whole season carrying those expectations, where it is quite literally, you win a Super Bowl, or this is a lost season, like with all the cap hits jumping up like crazy, I think that pressure really got to them a little bit. And next year it might be a little easier for them when, when they don't have quite that. There'll still be a lot of pressure, don't get me wrong, but. I feel like this year in particular, they were just in a pressure cooker the entire time. And especially after like week eight, things just felt wrong. Like all the, all the Bills games, just something was off. It just, they were winning, but yeah. it just didn't feel right. And it's even, it's, it's, it's hard to put my finger on what exactly it is. Cause I mean, they're still having these massive plays and all this stuff, but it, it's just something, something was just off. And my theory is that maybe the, maybe the pressure got to them a little bit. It, it felt so much different from when in week one they destroyed the Rams and you know, a couple of weeks later they destroyed the Titans in nat- on national TV. Like you saw how dominant the Bills could be. And then somewhere along the line, something went missing. And the Hall of Fame no pass rusher is partly what went missing. Well, yeah, that too. No, he, they missed that guy as well. And I think he would have helped a lot against the patchwork Bengals offensive line. But it's kind of weird because this was. Like you know, kind of like how we were last week, last time we were talking about the Chargers and how, like the Chargers were supposed to be their year because they went all in on when Herbert and Slater were on rookie contracts. They brought in a lot of expensive veterans to try to push for this year, and then they met they chargered it up, and in a way this was kind of similar to the Bills because the Bills were so close last year. They obviously had that epic game in Kansas City that they lost by the slimmest of margins. So. They figured that with Josh Allen on a rook, uh, still on the tail end of a rookie contract, this was the year that needed to go all in. And then you see, like the the problem with going all in is that 
when it doesn't work out, then you're left holding the bag and you have to make some very hard decisions and you're left to wonder exactly where it all went wrong. And I don't think it went completely wrong, unlike say the, unlike the Chargers, but there are going to be some changes, maybe like definitely with players, maybe with some staff. Like I know, like there were a lot of people on on Twitter and on, online, they were questioning Ken Dorsey, and I think that's a bit premature. It's his first year, like, and he and he cooked up a pretty darn good offense for most of it. So it's kind of weird. That, I think that questioning Ken Dorsey might be unfair, but questioning Sean McDermott, I don't think is. We've had three years in a row where the defense collapses down the stretch. And he's supposed to be a defensive-minded coach. If that's yeah. going to be where our strength lies, we should at least have a strength there, and we don't seem to. And, when, and you mentioned that there was a lack of motivation, a lack of energy, then, and that has to go come from the head coach. Like That has to start from the head coach. You have, the coach has to be the one that motivates the players, like regardless of circumstance. And I think you see it with... You see with a proven winner like Andy Reid, you saw with Doug Peterson how they had the Jaguars ready to play, even though they came up short. But when you're like when you can't do that and it's a recurring pattern, then yeah, obviously that comes with that calls McDermott into question. And McDermott's done a lot of good for the Bills. Like he's created a probably created a very strong team. But you're right, it, it does bring into question exactly whether he can, he's the one that can get them over the top after what he's done for Buffalo. It's a, it's a hard question. It's a sad question because you don't want – it's hard to question someone that's done so much good for your team over the past over the past few years, but sometimes you do have to ask the question. It's what got Denver over the hump that one time. Yeah, so true. Feels like that might be a right move sometimes. It's just even though they're a good coach, they're not the one you need. I, I, I don't know. I – I have heard some people talking about the McDermott Aussie. I just, I don't see how, I mean, this is a guy that has built up an incredible <laughs> culture there. Buffalo, I mean, they're a winning franchise. Like, this is a, what a winning franchise looks like now. They're, like, top-tier class of the NFL. I feel like messing with that is so risky, especially considering where Buffalo comes from before that. Like, I don't know. Do you, do you really risk messing up that all the, all the stuff that he's built there? Yeah, that's scary too. Yeah, it's it's tough because I mean, you know, both sides could be devastating because you could lock in with him for say five more years and then waste most of Josh Allen's prime and then make a change. Or, you know, it's it's hard that, to know when you can't. That's another big concern that I have for the Bills future is kind of the way Allen just sort of wore down this year. And a lot of that's really from just him making superhuman like just trying to do everything like holding this entire team on his quite broad large shoulders they can carry a big load but I feel like he just kind of started breaking down down the stretch where just exhaustion was getting to him and I I feel like if the Bills want this uh, Josh Allen's prime to be a, a lengthy period of time they're going to need to manage his load better going forward like you can't be asking your quarterback to run that much. You shouldn't have to when you're that good of a team. And, and it comes back to bite you in moments like these. It's, it's one of the things that I was pretty shocked shocked for on, during the game was that one of the – like listening to a lot of podcasts before the game, like one of the things they mentioned about the Bengals' defense is that for a lot of – for it being such a solid defense, their one very pronounced weakness was that they're weak against quarterback runs. Like, so Lamar Jackson, like, obviously, that's the big one that they usually play against. 
and you saw Tyler Huntley also do the same thing in the wildcard round. And when you have Josh Allen, you would expect Josh Allen to run a lot. And the fact that they didn't either means that Josh Allen's a lot more hurt or wore down than I think people suspected, or the Bengals cooked up a, lo- a very elaborate scheme that kind of prevented that from happening. But I would guess the former more than more than the latter, I think, because Allen had opportunities, I think, to run and run hard, I think. And he just didn't take them. I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the answer is there. It's yeah, that's it's speculation, tough. but it's, it's going to be a long off season. It, yeah, absolutely, it is, and I, I feel like I feel like with the Bills, it was it, it it was it was too much hype to ever live up to it. Almost, you know, like it just got built. I mean, even Romo saying stuff like "You got the champs on the ropes" and "Mr. January" and Josh Alien and all that. I feel like it just was all setting up for this kind of deflating moment. And Romo's, I, I, Romo's jumped the shark, so I do feel for you, Mason. I, I did, I did want the clash between us at some point. I don't, I'm, I'm very sick and tired of these stupid Bengals. I, I wouldn't have minded. Yeah. I wouldn't mind. Love you too, Brad. He's Bengals, just scared. The Bengals mentality is so annoying. Like they, the, the fan base has this insane inferiority thing where it's like, like everybody disrespect. Like I swear, you could go up to like the Bengals and be like, oh. I bet the Bengals can't even slam their balls in a car door. And we're like, that's so disrespectful. And they just start slamming their testes. Like, the car doors. I mean, See how much you disrespect us? This is what you get. I'm supposed to hear this from a guy that like that went ballistic, that Patrick Mahomes was ranked second on the QB rankings podcast. Is that what I'm really hearing? Because that was straight up disrespectful. That was straight up disrespectful. The Bengals right. were seen as a fluke last year. For Joe Burrow sake. at nine. Oh my God! This man. This man. <laughs> I, I, am I going to be allowed to talk? I'm like, very much that Josh Allen is the second best quarterback, but this game made me rethink some things. Nine, eight. At the very least, Joe Burrow is not the ninth best quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I've 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 been on that bandwagon since I've been, I've been telling Eric that to his face. Clearly, that was a mistake. <laughs> Clearly, that was a mistake. <laughs> All right, Eric, you you have the floor. Let's just talk about – you guys covered the Bills. Let's talk about the Bengals. This was more about them, I think, than it was the Bills. I think the Bills, in the end, are going to be fine. I think if they didn't suffer the most injuries, really, of any playoff team on the defensive side of the football, I think it's a very different story. My two-point quick points on the Bills is, one, they cannot be complacent this offseason – and two, they just have a lot of holes to fill. They've got to fix the offensive line. They've probably got to add another weapon for Josh Allen. And honestly, if you're counting on Trey White to be your number one cornerback again next year, that's a problem because he's shown at this point he has an inability to play a full NFL regular season. And Kyrie Elam was great, but you should draft more corner and secondary depth because you just weren't deep enough there and injuries caught up to you. The Bengals. It's it's hard not, like, you can't disrespect the Bengals anymore. Like, they are... They are here. Wait, so you're saying that they were disrespected up to this point? Like, so uh, I believe so. <laughs> I believe so. I believe the Bengals were disrespected up to this point, mainly because of guys like Bradford over here who say Mahomes this and Andy Reid this and uh, uh, this, that, and the other How thing. I disrespected the Bengals. Please, 
forget it. We are talking about one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I'll say it, Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, if things go diff- if things go a certain way this Sunday, I think there's a legitimate conversation to be had that their legacies are equal at this point. Um, Especially not, not if, by this Sunday, no. But if he and, wins and a I'm Super Bowl, a fan. you can certainly you you can certainly make you can start that, the argument. You can't you can make certainly a very good start argument. that oh, argument. I'm sorry, Eric. I have my ears plugged. One MVP in this one. One MVP in the other one. What was that? Listen, Joe Burrow Shut is up, Patrick. Joe Burrow <laughs> is just incredible, and this team is incredible. And honestly, the guy we I owe the most apologies to is Zach Taylor. I did not think he had this in him, but he has outcoached the, the opponents he's played two weeks in a row. He outcoached basically everyone except Sean McVay on his way to the Super Bowl. Um, I, I think that you have to give a lot of credit to Zach Taylor and his coaching staff for building something really special. And the window is now for the Bengals. All of a sudden, next week's game just becomes critical for them because while while the Chiefs will bring back Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey and all their weapons, the Bengals have decisions to make this offseason because T. Higgins is up for a contract and Joe Burrow is up for a contract and the cap will only probably let you keep one. So I, I, I think the team by far that has the most pressure on it going forward is this Cincinnati Bengals team, and it'll be interesting to see if they can live up to it. I, I do not have the slightest clue who I am picking at next next Sunday in the AFC. NFC, it's kind of I, – I think I kind of know where I'm going, but the AFC uh, to me is a total toss-up, and it, it's just a credit to how good the Bengals are. And, you know, certainly one mid-season quarterback ranking show does not – you know, let's put this to bed. I respect Joe Burrow. I love (laughs) Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has always been one of my favorite quarterbacks. At the time of the recording of that podcast, he was not a top five NFL passer. He was not. He was not playing like this until basically November. But when it mattered, he turned into what he was most of the year last year, which is a top caliber quarterback. And the Bengals have really done some special stuff and i'm tired of people you know you know i, I don't know I, I i'm i'm here for the Bengals. they're they're kind of a fun team to cheer for again and it'll be interesting to see how they react we'll get to the chief situation here momentarily but yeah i i i like what the Bengals are doing right now and i i think you know things special things are are coming for for the city of cincinnati uh, special things, um, I don't know, because going into Arrowhead and winning two years in a row was not exactly the easiest thing to do, and I'll be the first to admit that. And But if there was thing, a guy who could do it, yeah, you have that guy. Yeah, because he's done it before, like unlike many, unlike many other people. But the one thing that worries me, I think, if we were talking about a potential, if we were talking about next week's matchup, is Chris Jones, I think, is playing much, much better than last year. And we saw Chris Jones miss Joe Burrow by a hair in the AFC title game. And Burrow just pulled out a Houdini act and just kind of got the hell out of there for, and I have no idea how. And also last year, if last year in the second half, Andy Reid decided to go Philadelphia mode and forget that he has a running game. That haunts me, man. That, that haunts me. You know what an insane statistic? 
I want you to guess how many playoff sacks Chris Jones has. In his career? Yeah. Two. Zero. Hey, that was the number I was going to guess. He has, he has great pressure. Like, he has very solid pressure. Like, in the Chiefs Super Bowl run, he was very solid. But he just hasn't been able to finish them off. And that, oh, man, that one on Burrow, that's, oh, that that haunts me, man. That might have killed the game right there. Like, no, they would have won if they got that play. Yeah, Burrow, I think so. Yeah, Burrow saved the game on that one. Yeah. It, I, mean, I mean, he's done that numerous times. Like, he's not as big as Josh Allen. Like, he's not as quick on his feet as Patrick Mahomes, I'd say. But some, or some, somehow he seems to get the hell out of there somehow. Like, it's weird. You don't think of him as a very big, like, fluid athlete, but he gets out of there and he somehow does. manages to extend plays. Yeah, like, I, I just, on your point about Chris Jones, he has had a genuine – he won't win it, but he has had genuinely a defensive player of the year caliber season. If yeah, you look he's at – I don't have first team, on him, so. but if you look at the rates at which players are double teamed, he is double teamed more than almost any other player, and he still has one of the highest win rates. It's crazy. Like, yeah. what what he's been able to do from the – like, uh, it's – he. The, the Chiefs' defense itself as a whole is an often underwhelming unit, but it has its stars, and they do yeah. show up in big moments. Can we – okay, I okay. guess we're, we're going to transition. Sure. Bradford, yeah, yeah. you got to stay on topic. We were talking about the Bengals. Like, how how, like how well, do we get to the Chiefs from – Why be brought up, brought up like, Chris Jones? And I just wanted yeah, to get – I brought it up. Chris yeah, he wanted to. He wanted to get I, I can understand that. Anyway. Let's, let's do it. We don't Brad, have to, let's talk Bradford, about the Bengals. The floor let's is talk, yours. I would hate to be on record as disrespecting the Bengals. I don't want to offend Joe Mixon. That guy, oh my god. No, he does he understand Joe the concept of like ticket pre-sales? Like, oh my like these they're, they're like looking for bulletin board. Again, this so is an crazy. annoying Bradford moment. Very annoying. Uh, so annoying. It was, it was it is pretty it is pretty funny though. It is like, funny. Every, it was a funny thing to say. When they come out of the locker room, like like give, better get those refunds. Like it's like you manufacture any sort of slight. It's funny. Why can't you guys just take funny. a joke? Uh, that's 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 that's. I think it's funny too, but I think it's a little crit. Like at first, yeah, people were disrespecting the Bengals. Nobody's disrespecting them anymore. Like get over yourselves, guys. You're literally favored to win this game. Like relax. I do. I do want to. I do want to put on the record that when we did our AFC preview, like. When I said that the Bengals would beat the Bills, all of you said, all of you were groaning and said this was the most homerific take I've ever heard. I picked the so. Bengals to win that game. No, I, would, I would like, I would like for the record to stand that I think I was the only one who stood up for you. That's true. Like you, you did stand up for that because, like, you, both both Eric and Bradford were mentioning how the Demar Hamlin like incident would galvanize the Bills and have the Bills win, and then it would be Bills Chiefs in the Super in the title game. So I want that on the record. Go back to the AFC West <laughs> AFC preview if you don't believe me. But right. but I think all right, going back to the game itself and also to the Bengals, like it it was kind of weird because with the the people they had filling in for the starters that were out, and I mentioned this via DMs, but three starters were out. So uh, in addition to uh Alex Kappa, the right guard, and Jonah Williams, the left tackle, the right tackle, Lyle Collins. He was injured a while ago, so that might be why you didn't recall. But so so the tack the starter at tackle at left tackle was Jackson Clarman, who was basically a, labeled a bust because he couldn't cut it at left guard. But he played tackle in college, and for some odd reason, he seemed to play a lot better at tackle than as a guard. I have no idea how this works. But, and then, they, and then they, pre- they pressed the running game hard. And I, think, I think some of it also had to do with the Buffalo D-line, like kind of the, not being up to snuff at that point. But, 
And the fact that they were able to get a running game going, in addition to Joe Burrow doing Burrow things and Jamar Chase being uncoverable one-on-one, like that leads to some potent offense. And with Hayden Hurst like providing the dirty work in the middle of the field alongside Tyler Boyd, like they can attack all levels of a of a defense. And that gives you confidence. And with Burrow doing basically kind of like a less less uh, vocal version of Peyton Manning and uh, kind of uh, changing plays at the line, reading the defense before the staff starts, you get your confidence you can win anywhere. And so it's not going to be an easy game next week. Like, And the Chiefs will be they will be out for blood and revenge because they remember last year very, very well. But it's kind of how they said, with Burrow at the helm, and if he's healthy, you have a shot in any game. All right. We've got to move on at this point. We did spend a lot of time talking about Bills, Bengals. Makes sense. We have Bills, Bengals, Bradford. I want to take over on Chiefs here because I have some very respectful things to say that I think you're going to like. I am then going to say this. I would like to keep this segment mainly about the Jags just because they are now eliminated and we can kind of talk about what that means for them Going forward, Bradford, you will have plenty of time to rhapsodize about the Chiefs on Thursday. But, like, we have got to get going because it's 941 Mountain Time, and we we did this so we could all have some fun at Trivia Night, which I am a big fan of. But, like, I have got to go to bed, like, in, like, 40 minutes at latest. So uh, we we are going to have uh a good time yb you're on your way out of here thank you so much for joining us for bills bangles it was fun to have you around to chat thank you for coming all right see you next time yeah all right patrick Mahomes. what more is there to be said other than i just love this guy just more than any player in the entire world um one gets absolutely wrecked by way not an intentional play by any means anyone saying that was intentional has never played sports before the guy's taken by his momentum into patrick mahomes ankle comes back turns out he has a high ankle sprain plays the next three plays basically limping just to hand the ball off, and Andy Reid has to force this man out of the game to get an X-ray smart by Andy Reid, but Patrick Mahomes' ultimate competitor comes back on one leg, leads a touchdown drive, Chiefs skip a win. After the game, they say, what's up, Patrick? He says, all credit to my teammates. Just a total leadership clone of Peyton Manning my man crush and most favorite player of all time. And I just, I just have to say this Bradford. I love Patrick Mahomes. I have a future on the chiefs to win the super bowl. I'm absolutely rooting for the chiefs for rest of the way. I don't know how I'm picking, but I'm rooting for the chiefs the rest of the way because Holy cow, what a story by Patrick Mahomes to come back in and win this game incredible by him the only thing only thing that i dislike about patrick mahomes is why this man have to play on the chiefs why this man why this man have to come into 
my life where he has to be on the team. It's the arch rival, technically, I guess, but not really of my favorite team. And why does he have to ensure that I'll never experience any glory or a Broncos home playoff game for the next 15 years of my life? Why is this happening to me? That's my only complaint. I'm tired. I'm sleep deprived. That was fun to watch. Bradford, brief thoughts on Patrick Mahomes' performance and how you're feeling with the news that it is a high ankle sprain. He's not practicing. He's on crutches currently. How are we feeling going into Thursday's game? Hopefully we'll have more information by Thursday night when we do our preview show. First of all, I want to commend you. It takes it takes a, a very big man to say those things. I, I would not blame you to still be a, a hater, but I see you dressed there in red and white. You know what's up. I, I will say I'm slightly relieved it's just a high ankle sprain. At first I was worried that it, it might be something might might be something knee related, but clearly it wasn't very fast. To me, this was obviously not quite the same thing, but to me, this was sort of Patrick Mahomes' flu game in a way, where it's like you see him just completely unable to move for the most part, like all this, and just fighting to go back out there. And I'm sure in his inevitable Hall of Fame induction, I, I hope they 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 show the time that he was literally unable to walk in excruciating pain through essentially the game-winning touchdown pass on a one-legged jump. like. It's, 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 it's impressive. It was, I, I, the, if I was going to, to have a, a brief giving credit though, I want to give credit to Chad Henney. This man, anything is possible. Anything is possible. He stepped in here, one of the oldest players in the league. And he now possesses the longest touchdown drive in chiefs playoff history is Chad Henney. Now, most of that was Isaiah Pacheco. And he was thrown for like three yards in attempt. But still, that's that's nice to know that in uh, an emergency situation like this, you can rely on it. I just want to give credit to Chad Henney. This is the second time that he has come up and majorly clutched up for the Chiefs in the divisional round. And I have a lot of admiration for the man. Those are the only points I'll make. Wonderful. Let's talk about the Jags. I found him. I've found him, Bradford. I've found my Justin Herbert. Like, you know, you you have Justin Herbert. I have Trevor Lawrence. I thought you had Brock Purdy. I have Trevor Lawrence. Brock Purdy, I can eat humble pie on. Brock Purdy, I don't ultimately really care about. (laughs) Trevor Lawrence, oh my God. The amount of Trevor Lawrence bleep riding that was happening this weekend is unbelievable i mean this guy is not the best thing since sliced bread he is not the second coming of jesus christ folks listen he is just an average quarterback who the game is too fast for at some point still and who even with a new weapon in calvin ridley next year probably still won't fully be at the same level of Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes. And to put him in the same conversation as those guys is totally disrespectful. I'm going to start an off-season theme right now. I hope to have you guys on throughout the off-season. If I ever start buying in, remind me of this moment. I am not buying into Jags hype. 
This was an absolutely putrid defensive team that put together five good weeks of football and snuck into the playoffs and then beat the Chargers, who Charger. Like, please. Everyone's saying, oh, it's a new era in Jacksonville. And, like, they're next up in the AFC. And look out, we've got another contender in the AFC. One, how disrespectful to Mike Vrabel. He's still clearly the best coach in that division. And with an even slightly better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill and maybe an upgraded wide receiver, the Titans will no doubt win more games than the Jaguars next year and be back in the playoffs. What are we doing here? I am just so tired of the Jags love. It is unbelievable. I am not jagging off. This is not something that I'm a fan of. I just, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but like, I'm I'm just tired of people telling me they're the next big thing because simply put, they are not. They're, they're just an average team that, hey, sure, they might win nine or 10 games next year, but they're not AFC contenders. Like, stop pretending that. And even adding Calvin Ridley, I still think they need more weapons because what are you going to do? Are you going to count on Zay Jones again to be your second wide receiver? Like, what? Like, are, are we really doing that? Like, Christian Kirk's a nice piece, but you need more talent there. Your defense wasn't good. Devin Lloyd, who's I'm a fan of, got Burton coverage for most of – the the second half of the season and got benched you have no one at middle linebacker what are we doing here like I'm just tired of people telling me the Jags are going to be the next big team because they're not they still have a long long way to go and we don't know if their GM's competent or not last year we were talking about is Trent Balgi even suited for the job like he he hit on two guys in free agency and everyone wants to crown their ass like Come on now. I'm I'm done with them. I'm done. I'm not buying into the Jags this offseason. I think if the Jags had been a more competent team, that the injury to Patrick Mahomes would have been a little more devastating to their chances. I mean, to let Chad Henney have that drive on you, like, oh my God. It's one thing when the Browns give up a fourth down to Chad Henney. I like crap happens man it was a really well designed play he had balls of steel they did it great stuff you let the man drive over 90 yards on you like what is happening with that so i I mean and again i I think if trevor lawrence were in that tier of quarterback he could have lifted this team to the point where they can score more points than a one-legged patrick mahomes but they proved yet again that they're just not equipped to do that yeah, I don't know. I, I do uh, empathize. Uh, I, I agree with a lot of what Eric is saying. I think the Jags are a little over. I, I don't. I, I do still view them as as a as a very successful team in in regards to where they were previously to this season. And I think. I I do agree that Trevor's been overhyped a little bit. I can still see him making an, another big leap up. I mean, look at the leap that happened from year one to year two. You know, like. Who knows what the future uh, holds in store. But I will say, I think that is the most passion that anybody has spoken about the Jaguars ever in their entire history. So I don't know if that if you want if you want your hill to die on to be the Jacksonville Jaguars, all the power to you, Eric. I, I will not challenge you on that. I'm just 
not a lot of things bother me like they bother you, Bradford. But like, I understand where you're coming from on Justin Herbert now, because the, the way the media talks about Trevor Lawrence is absolutely disgusting. He, he is not as good as they say he is. He's just not like, and oh my God, you know, the worst take I saw this weekend, people putting him ahead of Lamar Jackson. What are you talking about? Even as a thrower, Lamar Jackson's better than Trevor Lawrence. And you're just telling on yourself that you don't watch football if you're saying that Trevor Lawrence is better. I mean, it's it's just, it's absolutely insane. I like Trevor Lawrence's game a lot. That run he had to pick up first down late in the game, that was incredibly ballsy. They lost because Jamal Agnew just forgot how to hold on to the football. I'm not. I think they could have scored there if he just holds on to the football. And sure, that's a big credit to Trevor Lawrence. But to talk about him in the same breath as Patrick Mahomes is absolutely insulting to the quarterback position. Like, he is nowhere close, and he's got a long way to go. Uh, the game's still too fast for him at points, you know. Uh, that's just how I feel about the Jags. Any more thoughts on this game, or can we move on? Perfect. I think I think you said it all. We nailed it. The NFC, this one we can knock out quick. Eagles 38, Giants 7. Just a case <laughs> of the Giants are the Giants and the Eagles are the Eagles. And like the Giants, Brian Dable's a great head coach. I'm not going to take anything away from Brian Dable and Joe Shane. What they did was absolutely fantastic this year, but they still have holes all over the roster and they might not have their quarterback, but they're going to have to pay Daniel Jones, which is going to be a problem. If they pay him more than $30 million, that's going to be a real problem for them. Uh, if they can get him at that $30 million range, I think that's fair. But also, they've got some interesting draft capital. Say, Will Levis falls or one of these toolsy guys is there, like Anthony Richardson or something. I think you have to take a swing. Because you you can't I, you can't sell Daniel Jones as the future. Meanwhile, the Eagles look how the Eagles have looked all year when they're healthy, like the best roster in the entire NFL. Uh, an extremely fast and physical defensive line that can cause havoc. Great corners, great secondary, and an MVP level quarterback. It's, it's hard to see the Eagles being stopped at any time soon. Uh, you know, I like the Bengals a lot, and uh, I I said some very nice things about them. But to me, if you had to make me handicap things right now, I would say the Eagles are the hands down Super Bowl favorites. I wouldn't feel that way if Patrick Mahomes wasn't injured, but with the injury, I think the Eagles have to be the favorites to win the Super Bowl right now. It's the best roster. Am- like the depth is insane. I, I mean, and realistically, again, a close second is San Francisco. So I'm really yeah. going to enjoy watching whoever comes out of the NFC absolutely power bomb the AFC winner. <laughs> and be glad it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to lose early, honestly. Yep. I, divisional round win, win quick. Less. <laughs> Just got it out of the way. Uh, really impressive game, Devontae Smith. He'd been kind of quiet through the second half of the season. Um, had a really good game, great opening drive catch against the Giants. 
Um, I don't really have much more to say about this game. I mean, this game was never close from the word go. The Giants have some very interesting questions moving forward at quarterback with how they handle that. And uh, the Eagles are a dominant roster with dominant players that just moved the ball at, at will. Um, so, yeah, I mean, anything else to say about Eagles giants? I do want to give it the time it deserves, but like, it just feels like, like the giants, got so lucky that they ran into the Vikings uh, because I think any other team in the NFC would have easily dismissed them. Even God forbid the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think would have taken care of the New York giants. Yeah. They just showed a blueprint of what they could do with a competent team. I think it was a successful year for a team that really didn't have a lot of hope. And uh, you know, they just came up against a much, much better team. All right. Cowboys. Niners. I know you've been looking forward to this one. Boys. Let me take a little sip of pineapple cider. It's been a long road. I'm just going to mute myself and strap. It's. It's been a long road with Dakota Rain Prescott. It's been a long, long road. He came into the league. I became enthralled with him. Loved the man. It's just one of the most interesting quarterback stories. Frankly, I'd seen come into the NFL. Loved watching him develop. Loved his early years with the Cowboys. At some point, about two to three years ago, I believe Dak Prescott to be a top three NFL quarterback, hands down, end of story. But then my eyes were opened by a good friend of ours, Donnie, Donnie on the horn, who who kept telling me, Eric, the only reason you believe Dak Prescott is a top three NFL quarterback is because he's padding his stats against these terrible NFC East defenses. And he really struggles in the big games and he doesn't really outduel Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. If you think back to that year and he's got some problems in the, in the clutch. And so I slowly shifted and about November this year. I listened to the around the NFL podcast and, and we all listen and we love them dearly. But Dan Hansu said something that was maybe the stupidest piece of fantasy of uh, football analysis I'd ever heard. He said, the Cowboys are the second best team in the NFL right now. Can you believe that? At one point this season, the football cognoscenti was trying to talk us into the fact that the Cowboys were the second best team in the NFL. What? What? What are we doing here, guys? 
And what did I say, Bradford, when we chatted in December? What did I say after they blew out the Colts? What did I say uh, after they they handled business against these inferior teams? I said, just wait. It's coming. It's going to break down. Ultimately, one of my heroes is Stephen A. Smith. Just a great, a great all-around entertainer, a man who knows sports, a man who knows takes. And I just got to emulate him here. How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? I mean, Dak Prescott. Can we just talk about one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the NFL? People say, oh, he's Black Kirk Cousins. Please, he's not even as good as Kirk Cousins at this point. He's worse than Kirk Cousins. I mean, unbelievable. He had two picks in that game, should have been four. He was absolutely dreadful. And now Cowboys fans are calling for him to be traded. And the official Cowboys account is tweeting, our quarterback let us down in this big spot. And you just got to think, man. Wow, how far Dak Prescott has fallen because now he really is stuck. And as I've said for the past three years, there's only one comparison. Toolsy, athletic quarterback, great at escaping the pocket, huge arm, great against bad teams, struggles in January, struggles when his offensive line isn't healthy, struggles with turnovers. God damn it, the Dallas Cowboys went from Tony Romo to Tony Romo. That's (laughs) all they did. They said, we had Tony Romo for all these years. Jerry went out and he said, you know, I really like the cut of this stack, guy's jib. I wonder why, Jerry, because you love Tony Romo. So you just drafted a Tony Romo clone. And now the Cowboys, once again, in mid-January, are sitting at home. What a beautiful world we live in. I'm happy that that you were able to get this victory this season. You've been very vocal about not believing in the Cowboys. Uh, I I told you to hold strong last week, and here we are. Here we are. Look what I want. I know it ultimately didn't matter in the end. But how did they find an even funnier play to end their season on? Oh, my like, God. So they ended funny. up in the same place as last year. But even funnier, what, what, what was the positive outcome of that, of that play? And it's the fact that <laughs> they send out this ridiculous formation. And so the Niners are like, well, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. What, what's going on? And they call a timeout. And the Cowboys had time to think about it. And they're just like, yep, we're rolling with that. And it was just the, the instant thud of Zeke Elliott slamming into the ground. Well, oh my good. Uh, D- Dalton Schultz forgetting the rules of football. Like, <laughs> oh, what, what was this game? Like, and not I, to mention, your entire roster is a mess. It's not often this happens, but sometimes off-season narratives are just true. The Cowboys don't have enough weapons. They don't. They have C.D. Lamb, and that's it. And you cannot with they a straight forward, but he's gone now. You cannot, with a straight face, run back Ezekiel Elliott on this team next year. He cannot be a Dallas Cowboy. There is just no way around it. He can't even be a goal line back at this point in his career. The Cowboys give me solace in, in some ways. 
because you know how sad I am, Bradford, as a Broncos fan. I'm a sad man. I live a sad, cruel, cold NFL existence. But imagine being a Cowboys fan. <laughs> imagine being sold false hope late into November, late into December, early into January, Every single year and every single year, your media members and your fan base and your Twitter page talking you into the fact that this might be the boys year. We might go ahead and win that damn Super Bowl. And every year, every single year for the past 13 years, you haven't even been able to get out of divisional round weekend and you always lose in heartbreaking fashion and then your billionaire playboy owner who's got his finger in the pie steps up to the mic every offseason and he says, I'm just so disappointed for our fans. I'm just so disappointed for our fans. And then they say, Jarrah, Jarrah, will you consider a change at head coach? Mike McCarthy is clearly not the answer. He doesn't know how to manage a football game. And Jerry says, no, my decision does not change. My decision does not change. Mike McCarthy is our coach, and he did a fantastic job, and we just were not confident our offense could score. He said that. He basically said they were not confident in the offense. Okay, Jerry, I get it. You're senile. You're old. You're dying soon. We get it. If you want to see a Super Bowl in your lifetime, let Jesus take the wheel. Let a competent GM take control of this team, fire Mike McCarthy literally tomorrow and give the Saints whatever they want for Sean Payton and watch your team go to the Super Bowl within the next three years. That's all it takes is for you to just admit, I can't be a GM, but his ego just gets him away just enough. And the Cowboys are just a gift that keeps on giving. I hope we all enjoyed the yearly tradition of watching the Cowboys implode. What a fun time it was. I, I have a family full of Cowboys fans, so I glean a special sort of satisfaction from it. And it's, it's crazy the way they find a way to buy into the false hope every single time. And for me, I, I just want to say this on your, on your Dak point. I am somebody that has been a relative Dak defender. I like Dak. I will tell you the exact moment where any future hope of Dak Prescott being the guy evaporated from my mind. And it is when the Cowboys with two minutes ish left, they have a chance to go uh, get, get the, get the, the game tying touchdown. And he throws one of the worst passes I've ever seen in my entire life. It, the first pass, it should have been a pick six. It should have been an immediate pick six and they just dropped it. But like, that was the first throw he could come up with in his big clutch moment was what was, should it like just, directly just handed it off to the other team and they got lucky to drop it like wow they 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 truly do find the way to to, to do this every year and i i uh I'm, I'm happy that we have things that we can rely on mason i i actually did see another apt uh quarterback comparison for dak and it was that he is uh the black Kirk cousins and i was, i don't know that i can't agree with that i mean that's it's uh, it's pretty apt. I mean, you know, padding those stats, shining uh, real dull in those bright spots. That's very Kirk Cousin. He he definitely holds that down. And hey, I mean, hey, hey, whoa! Whatever you want about Dak, at least he completed 
the last pass of the season for I guess, I guess that's fair. That's a good point. He may have checked it down, but he completed that damn pass. I guess Kirk completed did Kirk complete this? It was just a check down. Yeah. I guess it yeah. was. you know what they both yeah. did. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Shout out so. shout out the Niners. We'll close here. We'll talk more Niners on Thursday. I promise. They deserve it. They deserve it. They deserve more of our full attention on Thursday. We're all a little tired. We're all ready to go to bed. I will just say, everyone talks about the Chiefs' five straight AFC title games. The Niners have been to three of the last four NFC title games. That's really good. That's really good. Cal Shanahan is a really good coach and hopefully they get over the hump. I like the Eagles, but deep down I'm rooting for the Niners. I just want to see them get to the Super Bowl again. Yeah, I mean, it's been a good run for the Niners under Kyle Shanahan. It's good to be a Niners fan. And hey, what a pickup Christian McCaffrey was. I know we have the calf injury late in this one, but he was a really key contributor in this in this in this race. And what a defense you have! Nick Bosa is a man possessed. Fred Warner is. I'm ready to say it. All due respect to Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner. Fred Warner is the best middle linebacker of this generation. That's just really the only way to put it. He's an All Pro every single year. He shows up when the games are at their biggest. Who else can really drop back from right at the line of scrimmage to 40 yards down the field to defend a pass? That's crazy. I love Luke Keekley. I love Bobby Wagner, but give me Fred Warner over both those guys in their primes. Fred Warner is the man and the defining linebacker in the middle linebacker position of this generation. I think that's completely fair. I'm not going to argue with you on that. No, he's been incredible. That's definitely a really good point. He's been absolutely excellent and a stalwart for that defense. Wonderful. Boys, this has been a late one. Previous second place. Jesus, Bradford, you really let us down on that one. I okay, I listen, we finished in last place by at the trivia night by one question. And <laughs> there was a whole section, it was NHL trivia. And they hit us with this whole series of questions about women's hockey, right? And we managed to get a decent amount of them. But, oh, my goodness, like, like the question that we got out on was ridiculous. There, there was one team, because there was, there was eight women's hockey questions. And so here in Canada, like the, the, the GOAT female Canadian players, Haley Wickenheiser. And for all eight questions, they just wrote Haley Wickenheiser. And I thought that was absolutely hilarious. That's, that's, that's a good strategy, honestly. Yeah. All right. This has been fun. Mason, thanks for joining us. I know this is a late one. It's now Wednesday on the East Coast. Go to bed. Bradford, hopefully we can do this at a more reasonable hour on Thursday. We will see you all then to talk championship weekend. Until then, peace out.